Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. We are back after taking a week off. It is Sam and Steve. And Sam, there's a lot going on besides baseball this week. How you doing, man? There really was a lot going on, Steve. I am doing great, and you are a married man now. I see over Skype that ring on your left <laughs> ring finger. Congratulations again, and oh boy, a lot did go on. <laughs> and you with your wedding and you know time at the beach, and then myself, I've gone to about 6,000 graduation parties in the last two weekends, including my own, so... It has definitely been an eventful couple of weeks. It has, it has, and thank you very much, Sam. Yeah, I got, I got this ring here, but I, you know, the point, the point of me and you hanging out is to get a different ring here, and that's the Yankees' 28th World Championship ring. And uh, let's kick it right off with uh, the non-baseball kind of off-the-field things here. And you got to start off with Edwin Encarnacion. We were both, you know, kind of texting the day it happened that I, did, I thought it was a fake account from Jeff Passan. I was like, I did, this doesn't make sense. And you know, everyone's screaming, pitching, pitching, pitching here. And then Cashman just steals an absolute power stud from Seattle. And then this Yankee lineup is going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. What were your uh, initial thoughts here of getting uh, the Parrot Man in pinstripes? So I am going to start off by saying this was the night of my graduation party. And I was making my rounds, <laughs> you know, talking to people. And my buddy comes up to me and was like, yo, the Yankees just traded for Edwin Encarnacion. And I'm like, holy shit. I mean, Encarnacion <laughs> is terrorized the Yankees for most of the last decade. I mean, him with the Blue Jays, I wrote in my article today about him, which you can find on GothamSN.com, that he has 18 home runs in 69 career games at the new Yankee Stadium. That's about one every four games. Of course, now he's played 70 games there playing tonight, but you get the point. My initial reactions, though, were awesome. Everybody's (laughs) saying Everybody's saying, oh, you need pitching, you need pitching. But the Yankees gave up a 19-year-old prospect who really is a project at this stage of his young career, hasn't even gone up to A-ball, and they're paying half of his $15 million salary. So to get this guy in Encarnacion who makes a living in the second deck of Yankee Stadium – and who has 32 or more home runs in each of the last seven seasons. He's got 401 for his career. Steve, this is one of the most prolific power hitters of this generation. It really is, and it, I, we both were kind of shocked going over his numbers. I mean, we've seen him for, for years in Toronto put up some big numbers. Uh, then he went to Cleveland for a few years, and it's just it's pretty remarkable that the, that the power just hasn't changed and that it's, it's happened at a, at a late bloom, you know, you know, prior to turning 30, I'm sorry, prior to turning, yeah, he had like 26 home runs was like the most home runs he hit in a season. And then all of a sudden he's dropping 42, 36, 34, 39, 42. I mean, in 2016, he had 42 home runs at 127 RBIs to lead the league. I mean, this is just a, a, a collective righty guy that just mashes the shit out of the ball. And he's already, he went out to Seattle and we saw what Seattle kind of could do to, to some people's power. You know, if you're looking at maybe Robbie Cano, even when he was on the roids, but now he's got 21 home runs out there in Seattle and in that big ballpark. And now he's coming to the Bronx facing pitchers. He's seen before facing teams that he's seen before. This is just, you know, a, a simple thing of Brian Cashman being like, Oh, look what just fell into my lap here. And, and, and why not move for the, for the Yankees leads. The American League in home runs coming to the Yankees. 
And he went out to Seattle. It was a weird three-team trade between the Indians, the uh, Mariners, and the Rays. And the Rays are actually paying Encarnacion $5 million this year. So that's got to be a tough pill to swallow. They were involved in talks. as were the They Houston. wanted him back now. Yeah. As were the Houston Astros, according to Mark Feinsand of MLB.com. And I mentioned in my article as well that it is not only a huge win for the Yankees to have Encarnacion, but they're no longer going to be half. They're no longer going to have to face him on an opposing team down the stretch or in the playoffs because you knew the Mariners were going to move Encarnacion sooner than later. They traded Jay Bruce to the Phillies. Jeff Passan of ESPN was tweeting most of the last week. John Heyman too that their fire sale. They want to start it early. And they want to start it often. And Encarnacion, the second piece of that fire sale, going to the Yankees on Saturday night. I'm surprised the Mariners kept Encarnacion heading into the season. I thought they were going to acquire when they acquired him in the offseason that they were going to have some interested teams. But it kind of confuses me. You go back to when he signed with the Indians after the 2016 season. He signed pretty late. In free agency, I mean, there, there really wasn't much of a market for him. And why? I mean, th- there's no character concerns with this guy. There's He's not on steroids. There's not a risk of you know, a possible suspension, again, if, if he gets popped again. He's never been caught taking steroids, as I said. And, again, the Astros and the Rays offered more talent, according to Mark Feinsand, but they didn't want to eat much of the money. I mean... Why? This guy is an absolute stud. Steve, we've been going over the numbers. This is just an enormous get for the Yankees, and they did it without even trading any of their valuable trade chips. Yeah, another key part, you know, that Cashman emphasized was this wasn't a, a deal that, you know, is a precedent to another deal or a deal that's going to hinder them at all for the rest of this this, this season here. You know, they're still going to focus on pitching. There's, Cashman said it again today before the game. You know, pitching is going to be a priority when they're looking for deals here. But, you know, if you got you got a deep lineup, the only thing better is a deeper lineup, and that, that's fine. Yeah, kind of Cashman said it too. You know, baseball is two things. It's um, preventing runs and creating runs, and this move just helps the Yankees create runs. So uh, welcome aboard, Edwin. Um, I'm excited to see him, you know, break out that, that little wing arm and let the Pirate land and ride around bases in the Bronx, and, and we'll see where it goes from here. It does change a lot of things for the Yankees roster. The kind of unintended consequence of this was that Clint Frazier got sent down. Um Mike Talkman was sent down right after tonight's game year, so there really isn't that people were freaking out over Talkman versus Frazier. Either way, kind of it had to be done, but but I don't think that, uh, you know, this kind of hurts Frazier here because he was kind of filling in at that DH role, and now Stan's going to be activated on Tuesday, um, and a lot of people assume that this meant that, that Frazier's going to get traded pretty quickly, and I don't think that's the case here. I, I, I've turned completely on Clint Frazier. I am fully on the, the Clint Frazier remaining Yankee standpoint here. He has put up some some serious numbers in his limited playing time here. So um, it sucks for Clint, but it's kind of part of the game here. It's part of that harsh reality that he kind of said to. His, his little uh, post-game interview, was uh, you could tell he was upset. But I, I think that Clint still has a part of this Yankee team in the future, but it's just not right now. What do you think about for uh, for Clint after being sent down here after after a strong bounce back few weeks after the blunder in Boston? Well, if Clint's time isn't, you you say he still has a spot on this team. I 
somewhat agree with that. Maybe not this year if healthy. Sorry, I declare not in long term possibly. Yeah, correct, correct. This year, I mean, the, the Yankees are already are going to have an extremely difficult decision coming up when Aaron Judge potentially is activated at the end of this week. So I think he has a future on the team. I think right now when, when you look at the books for 2020 for the Yankees, Brett Gardner's deal is expiring. Encarnacion has a 20 million player option. Not sure if the Yankees Yeah, that'll, that'll be bought out. Pick that up. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but he has a spot in 2020 as the everyday left fielder right now, but if the team is healthy this year, you're not going to see him again, possibly, unless when rosters expand to 40 in, in September. And it really sucks. Clint, you know, struggled with the defense in right field. He had that little scuffle with the New York media about not talking about that after that Sunday night baseball loss to the Red Sox. But again, you know, hitting above 280, 11 home runs, has shown that he can hit in the MLB. And I feel bad for him. It's really tough. But. Yeah, right now I think we're both on the same page. If the Yankees are healthy this year, you're not going to see Clint Frazier again, which is pretty wild. And unless he's traded, I don't think the Yankees are going to be going out and getting a starting pitcher this week. But, I mean, he'll obviously be involved in trade discussions for starting pitching. And the Yankees already had... Yankees already had a couple teams. It was the Pirates and Giants had scouts at one of their games looking at Frazier a couple weeks ago. So that's my take. If he's healthy, if the Yankees are healthy this year, I am not sure you're going to see him again until rosters expand. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, the the thing is, um, I think we both agree that, you know, Cameron Maben's got to stick around for, for a while here, and we'll see what happens when Judge comes back. Like you said, there is a possibility that Maben goes back to being someone that can can be released and then you can bring back Clint coming up and him him be your your fourth fifth outfielder there injuries always pop up but I mean Sam looking at this guy Clint Frazier just played fifty three games he's got eleven home runs thirty four RBIs batting two eighty three times those numbers by three you're looking at a guy with thirty three home runs and ninety five RBIs hundred RBIs I'm not trading that away for a rental anymore I mean beginning of the year if you told me Clint Frazier from Madison Bumgarner at the deadline I, I would have been all in. I'm like, yep, that's fine. Thanks, Clint. Um, you know, go go play in San Francisco, and we'll take we'll take Mad Bum here. But this has got to be if he's moved. This has got to be moved for a big time pitcher here, bigger than Madison Bumgarner, and maybe even more controllable. Because at 24 years old, I don't know if I'm ready to give up on a 30 home run, 100 RBI kid who kind of likes a chip on his shoulder. And each each little thing in this story has has built that chip more on, on Clint Frazier here. I mean. He's played in one more game than Gary Sanchez, and Gary Sanchez obviously has double the home runs here. But he's got he's got more hits, he's got more doubles, he's got you know he's drawn just as about as many walks as Gary, and he's batting two eighty compared to Gary's two sixty. And Gary Sanchez has been a an MVP kind of first half for a catcher here. And we've said Clint's defense has been terrible here, but that that bat you're not trading for for a rental right now. Absolutely not, and that was kind of my view on Estrada when he came up and really showed that he could play. I said, you know, if they move Tyro Estrada, especially with Didi being an unrestricted free agent after this year, the Yankees have no more year to control, it better be for somebody with at least another year of control. But in in Frazier's case, how he's shown he can hit and the power that he's shown, 
like you said, if you told me before the season, Frazier for Bumgarner at the deadline, I'd have sprinted to the phone to tell the Giants yes, but it's not the case anymore. He's shown he can play up here, and we talk about Cameron Mabin and you know Brett Gardner. I don't see the Yankees parting ways with Gardner, but I mean – to kind of transition, they're going to have uh, the decision to send Frazier down was a very difficult decision, but the Yankees have another huge decision coming up later this week when they expect to activate Aaron Judge, and it's either release Cameron Maben, who is batting three hundred and you know has hit three, three home runs, runs yeah. three home runs in the last three games, and who plays outstanding defense in the outfield and can easily be a pinch runner late in the game? Or do you release one of the bullpen arms? Is it the end of Luis Sessa or David Hale? I, th- I think we could have a, a Twitter party if Luis Sessa is the guy that, that is ultimately you know, sent down here for judge. And it's a tough call, though, because the Yankees we, we how, the Yankees injuries for their starters and their length, their bullpen, having that extra arm does come in handy a lot. Um. But I think it could be a David Hale situation. He's kind of gone on the DFA train a few more times. I think there's a better chance that, that he kind of passes through here. Um, and the Yankees just do have a weird love for Sessa. Um, so I don't think they're going to be giving up just yet as much as kind of everybody wants them to. But it's crazy that we're talking about Cameron Mabin. Like, you know, another guy that the Yankees just like, hey, we got so many injuries. We'll give you a couple hundred thousand bucks. Give us Cameron Mabin. He's out there showing and and fighting for his, his life here. Um I don't think the Yankees – he has good trade value, but I don't think anyone that's going to want – the Yankees aren't going to want to trade him away to another contender who are the only people who are really going to be looking for him. So it's going to be it'll be very, very interesting here. I mean, we last year we had a ton of roster crunch decisions to make, and where, where this year it was just trying to fill out a roster with all the injuries. So we'll, we'll get some roster crunch going here, and we'll see what happens there. Um, but we do, Sam. We, it's been two weeks, and last week I, – honestly, I completely missed this. I was busy, had some things going on with life. I completely missed that Domingo Herman went on the IL for like three days. And I was like, whoa, what, what's going on here? Um, we've said that he has an innings limit here, so it's not a terrible thing, but just another injury as we're talking about Stanton and Judge coming back um, and the Yankees getting healthier in the lineup. The rotation is still super thin, and this Herm- the Sherman injury hopefully doesn't turn out to be a long-term thing. Hips are weird, uh, especially for pitchers, so we got to kind of – Take some precautions here. Yeah, I'm definitely worried about when I heard the word hip. It was it obviously worried me, but Aaron Boone came out and said this isn't anything major. And Herman started to come back down to earth a little bit in his last yep. few starts. And I kind of expected that. I think we all did. But I hope he gets well. The Yankees need him regardless. When Severino comes back, I think he could definitely be a weapon out of the bullpen, too. I think he has a role with the Yankees, whether it be a starter or a reliever. But he started to come back down to earth, and I'm not quite sure when he's going to be back. I don't think really anyone does. Aaron Boone said it wasn't that big of a deal. but Yeah, neither was Stan, and he has been out for three months. <laughs> and we, Yeah, you're right, and... When you look at the injuries to the rotation, of course, we haven't seen Severino this year. Paxton, who we're going to get into a little bit later, he looked like he may not have been healthy in that Mets start, and he struggled against the Blue Jays the prior week. Yeah. And people were questioning whether he was healthy, but he bounced back against the White Sox. Sabathia, we always talk about with, with the knee being really weird, and 
Hap has had such an up and down season that Yankees really can't afford any more injuries to the rotation. And if Herman Herman gives you five innings, three earned, once every five days, you absolutely take that. And to have him not in the rotation right now and the use for maybe an opener twice per week, it's not a thing. Yeah, especially when when we're talking about that 25th spot, whether it's going to be a bullpen arm or it could be an extra bench bench player here too you know we haven't needed the bench but we want to protect some players so it's going to be a tough call for the Yankees here and I'm going to be very interested to see kind of kind of what they do um on the baseball side of things since we last chat it hasn't been great the Yankees have been six and seven since our last podcasting and pinstripes episode here but they have won three in a row but that just means that they were three and seven their last ten before this little run here which is a little concerning here but it makes sense. The injuries, like you said, have been piling up on the pitching side of things. They've had a couple of bad bullpens outings. Adovino gave up some runs here. Holder obviously continues to give up some runs. Um, but not the greatest stretch for the Yankees. But still, still the first place Yankee team now after after two weeks here. Yeah, first place. And tonight, I mean, we love recording off a win. There you go. Tanaka you know, with one of the best performances, I think, by an, a major league pitcher this season. A two-hitter, one walk, 10 Ks. And he got the lead back up to one and a half games. And even though they had a stretch where they lost eight of 11, team kind of came back down to earth. I mean, Urshela started struggling a little bit. And the, the team in general uh, hit a rough patch after really, if we're being honest with ourselves, overachieving with that roster for a good bit, uh, a good portion of two months. So the Yankees still in first place, uh, but the pitching is definitely still a concern. But like you said, they're in first place on June 17th with a, you know, massive pieces of the roster missing extended periods of time. So three in a row too, they ended up splitting the White Sox series and they obviously took the opener against the Rays tonight. So, with Stanton and Judge coming back and, you know, adding in Carnacion, you have to think pitching help will be on its way in, in the next six weeks. So I'm feeling good about this team, especially with a lot of guys returning from injury. And we, we go back to April, you know, in the early episodes. We just said, tread water, you know, be five or six games out come 4th of July. I mean. Totally. It, now it's be five or six know, games up, though. Yeah. Talk about the, how what a change in mentality. I, I can't believe it. And we said this on a lot of prior episodes, whether Cameron Mabin or Shell, I, I think or definitely or Shell will end here with the Yankees. That is definitely a safe bet. But there's going to be a lot of guys getting a World Series ring at the end of the year if the Yankees <laughs> are going to make it that far. There's going to be a lot of guys on that T-shirt that they sell with all the guys that, you know, won't be with the team, but definitely played a major role at some point during the year. Yeah, yeah. And it really does all kind of start and end with, with the pitching and, and going back to Tanaka tonight, like you said, one of the better performances of all year, without a doubt, in, in baseball. He was efficient. He was mowing down people. The game was flying. I mean, we were talking. We usually like to record. I mean, it's just past 11 o'clock here, and that's usually when we started. It was like 9.20, and we were like, oh, crap, we got to start getting ready. Um, and coming up with some uh, some some topics to talk about because the game was flying by, and that's because Tanaka was was quick on the mound, ready to go, and was just mowing down a very good lineup in the in the Rays, and and Tanaka's been doing that for years. 
you know, when the big game is on, he always seems to come through in the playoffs. The playoffs we were leading up to the playoffs. He loves the intensity and loves kind of the the, the thrill of it. It was, you know, it, I watched it on MLB Network today, so it was a nationally televised game for for a lot of people in the country. And Tanaka just does really well in those games for some reasons. Um, he's had a couple good performances. Um, here uh, the past month or so. And while we haven't had Paxton, we thought would be our ace number two behind Seve, that kind of went into the season with Tanaka being our number three. And now here he is pitching absolute ace-like stuff. He used his splitter a lot more tonight too. So he's been, uh, you know, he's kind of actually, he's using his splitter a ton this year, but he, he was mixing well. Him and Gary looks completely in sync all game. And it was just fun to watch. You know, we it is the era of the home runs all the time here. And, you know, it's home run, strikeout, walk kind of the three the three outcomes. But it's good to see a pitcher just go out there and dominate. And it didn't look like the, the race. I mean, it was maybe one hard hit ball all day, which which is which was great to see for Tanaka and for the confidence. And going the complete game. Adovino got up for, you know, two minutes in, the, in this, going into the seventh. And Chapman got up for, you know, two minutes before the ninth. But being able to save the bullpen here, I mean, we're fighting for the Rays with the top of the division, and we have a fully armed bullpen the next two days just in case something goes bad for their, with the pitching, and that's all on Tanaka. Yeah, Michael Kay was, was emphasizing. I forget, I forget if it was O'Neill or Flaherty in the booth. It was O'Neill tonight. Yeah. It was O'Neill, yeah, because they gave condolences to O'Neill's sister. And O'Neill was emphasizing, yeah, that they're saving the bullpen – for this enormous series and that they have a fully staffed bullpen for the next two nights, which is just enormous when you're playing a series for first place. The Yankees, of course, find themselves one and a half games up uh, heading into the final two games of the series. But Tanaka just had it all working tonight. The the splitter was working down. I mean, it looked unhittable at times and a slider on the second out of the ninth inning against Austin Meadows, who I think is the best hitter in the Rays lineup. He threw his slider down and in that just made Meadows look silly. Oh, he like, the one where he like barely swung, but kind of swung, but then was like, I'm yeah. just going to go back to the dugout. Fuck this. <laughs> made him look silly. And Meadows, yeah, like you said, had the only hard hit ball of the night. It was that single off the wall in the, the fourth inning, I believe. And Tanaka, Tanaka just looked so locked in. And, you know, this was a big game for the Yankees. Entered a half game up on the Rays. And to have your race go out there and do that and save the entire bullpen is just enormous for this team. And, you know, I don't want to over-exaggerate this, but to date, this was one of the biggest games of the season for the Yankees, I think. I mean, you have, you know, second place team coming in in the middle of June and yeah. to start the series off like this and uh, do it in the fashion that Tanaka did is so, so important. So everybody talks about playoff Tanaka and big game Tanaka. He sure showed up in the opener against the Rays. Yeah, I mean, Sam, so he's, I mean, he's five and five now. He's got a 3.23 ERA. Not bad at all. We'll take that all day. But I mean, it's the, it's like you said, it's the bigger games that he had. I start versus Houston in April, six innings, one run. A start versus Tampa in Tampa, a place that we know everybody struggles for the Yankees down there in that shithole of the trop. Seven innings, one run. Following week versus Tampa again, six innings, no runs. And now a complete game shutout versus Tampa. That's, Four legit games versus playoff teams, and Tanaka's given up two total runs. 
Like, that's what you need to see. I don't care that he gave up four versus the Mets in the Subway Series and you know, the Yankees clobbered good old P-boy Zach Wheeler for a billion <laughs> runs. But those are the games that are more important here. Tanaka, he's got three starts versus the Rays. He's given up one run in three starts. That, that wins divisions there. How many times last year we go back about stupid games that cost the Yankees and they, they didn't come close to the Red Sox for the division. But it's games like that are, are what wins divisions when you're talking about a two-team race here. I'm not going to count out Boston altogether. What it could be a three-team race. He hasn't faced Boston yet this year. But these are the outings that you need. These are the ace stuff that we need, um, especially with Paxton having that knee injury, like you said, and, and working his way back. And who knows with Seve? Seve, we're still hoping, you know, comes around after the All-Star break, and it'd be great if he's healthy and got a fresh ace arm coming in. But if we can't count on that, being able to count on Tanaka is a huge step there. And if we have a Tanaka Paxton one-two. If they pitch like they did the past couple days, I'll be, I'll be happy with that because Paxton looks really good um, compared to his last few outings, and he looked a little healthier even though he's going to be dealing with that knee all year. Yeah, and just one last thing on Tanaka uh, from Katie Sharp. I found this really interesting. It kind of feeds into a, a bit of Yankees history. The last two Yankees to throw a shutout with two hits or fewer, 10 keys, uh, and one walk oh, at Yankee Stadium. It was David Cohn, uh, his perfect game in 1999, and Masahiro Tanaka tonight, and that is it. So that was a really interesting tidbit from Katie. She gives so many of them. And you move, you move to another key guy in the rotation of Paxton, who, you know, an- another guy who came over in the trade in a trade with the Seattle Mariners, Brian Cashman and Jerry Depoto seem to have those are good- just buddies and Cashman just keeps picking his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really does. Did you see that Sheffield got sent to double A because he had a six plus ERA in triple A? No way. Yeah, I, I, I completely meant to check on Sheffield too. This he got, he's getting smoked and they sent him back to double A to work on things. Jeez, I don't, I don't want to cheer. Don't want that at all. But I mean, just. But yikes! That that, that that's wild. And you know, Paxton coming back, he looked a lot better against the White Sox, which was very, very encouraging for the Yankees. And like I said, they're really going to need him down the stretch. And yesterday against the White Sox, you know, seven Ks over six innings. He was getting swings and misses, which was really, really key in the Mets in against the Mets on you know, 80, 83 pitches. He only got three swings and misses in that second cap in the second game of the doubleheader against the Mets. So he was getting swings and misses in Chicago yesterday, which that is a huge is, difference for him. Oh, yeah. And. You know, three swings and misses in today's MLB. You are not going to be winning much as a starting pitcher. And the Yankees are going to need him. That knee, I, I hope it doesn't bother him. We mentioned Tanaka getting the extra day of rest sometimes. How his ERA go yep. down, goes down over like a half run. Maybe Aaron Boone will consider getting Paxton that extra day of rest or two, if Paxton's scheduled to start on a Wednesday and there's an off day on a Thursday, maybe do a little bullpen day on a Wednesday and then off day Thursday and then start Friday. I definitely trust Cashman and the training and the pitching staff to manage the, the Paxton workload with that knee. 
So that's just an idea I threw out. But the big difference yesterday, Steve, was getting the swings and misses because you got three on 80-something pitches against the Mets, and you saw how that ended up. Yeah, that was that was luckily one of the games I did not watch this past week was with Paxton getting lit up. I was I was gonna look to turn it in, and uh, I decided that was a we'll we'll just catch the box score here. But reverse the White Sox, like you said, the swing and misses is huge. I mean, Paxton is a absolute power pitcher in today's game. Loves it, works quick, paints the corners with 97, 98 on the black. If he's not getting swings and misses, that means the ball's over the plate and he's getting and people are hitting him hard, and that's where you're gonna get these these you know hopefully one off games with the Mets. So it's going to be, you know, the rotation is so important. I mean, we, we talk more about the rotation because of the struggles it has, and it kind of leads us to not talk as much about how good the bullpen's been, but it, it has back and forth. Like in this, in this stru- stretch here with, with just going six and seven over the past kind of, you know, 10, 14 days, whatever it is, 13, um, it leads to the bullpen being overworked and being tired and leads to bad outings. So it all starts with the, the pitching here. So it's going to be interesting to see what we do as, as we, we kind of wait for Severino to come back. And we talk, I mean, we already discussed all the possible options. You know, it could be Trevor Bauer, Marcus Stroman, um, you know, obviously Bumgarner. There's there's options out there for pitching. It's, I don't think Cashman's going to pull the trigger on, you know, one of those. I think the prices are going to be through the roof, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be another kind of boring, maybe, you know, people are going to hate the comparison of a Lance Lynn type deal, but getting another guy just to eat innings. And, and we'll see how it goes from there for uh, – for the pitching. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the bullpen workload, you know, the the staff workload. It's going back a couple of weeks to the Yankees bullpen. It seemed like they were working every night, and that's an issue. And I was thinking last week about how – uh, one baseball team that really relied on their bullpen. Don't get me wrong. It's a great luxury. You have to have a good bullpen to do a, lo- a lot of things. The 2018 Red Sox being the exception, but the Milwaukee Brewers last year and how their bullpen just gassed out. That's one thing that I was keeping up with the Yankees over that rough stretch that, their bullpen was working a lot. Adovino had a couple home runs hit off of him. So yeah. I I wonder how they're going to manage this. And you go back to Tanaka tonight, it's really, really big of how he got, you know, uh, the bullpen the night off. They didn't work yesterday on Sunday. And uh, our key guys didn't work on Sunday. But it, it's – Tanaka giving them the night off tonight is enormous. And like I said, when you look at other teams, look at the Brewers last year, how their bullpen just gassed out. And part of me, this is kind of going back to the roster crunch. The Yankees are probably going to keep Maven over one of these arms. And that that's fine. But to, to eat some of the garbage innings, you're going to, I mean, you're going to be have, going down. Yeah. You're going to be going down a guy in the bullpen. So, it's it's, it's a difficult decision. Yeah, I mean, it's got Ottavino at 31 games already. Kaylin at 31 games. You know, Britain at 30 games, and Chapman at 28. I mean, those are the four key ones there. Um, and then the guy we haven't mentioned is it, Dylan Batanzas, who suffered kind of another setback in there, and that was kind of the hope of you know use these guys a lot. But then Dylan will come back in the second half. 
and we'll be able to kind of reduce that workload here. And, you know, what if he doesn't come back? And I think it was about grade one lat strain now for him, kind of which what Severino had. Don't know how that happened, when that happened. But that's going to put him back a few more weeks where, you know, he was pitching, you know, on back-to-back days, throwing in the outfield and stuff. It looked like we we're getting closer and closer to having Batanzas back here. Um, and if that, that gets pushed, we don't want I mean, Holder's got 28 innings, uh, 28 games already and 33 innings. We don't want to have to have him in there. The guy's got a 5 ERA. You know, Chad Green still got an over 7 ERA. Sessa, over 6 ERA. But these are guys that are, that are playing you know, 28 for Holder, 22 for Green, and 20 for Sessa. That's what you want for a whole season, not for the, for the you know, I don't want Luis Sessa and Chad Green, at this this version of Chad Green, getting 50 appearances in, the, in, a, in a whole season. But at the same time, you can't have Adovino going out there 85, 90 times a, a year. So it's going to be... It's going to be interesting to watch the bullpen and see what they what they've gone here. Um, they've had you know Cortez Jr. going a couple games, a couple deep innings with the with the starter, and I, the starter's been working, but it's really working that bullpen. And it's going to be interesting to see how they go here. Maybe there's a couple other minor league arms that are that are pulling up here. We've seen Chance Adams come in and throw some innings, um, but I think the loss of Batanzas, uh, the, the setback for Batanzas, is, could be a little bigger deal than than we thought. Because I was starting, I was getting ready to start seeing Dylan to come back here. I was as well, and we talk about the workload of the bullpen, Luis Sessa, and you go back to you know last summer, and Sessa appearing in games in August, throwing meaningful innings, starting games in August. I mean, you really just can't have that, and. The, the workload is something that's going to be so, so important. And, and if the Yankees keep a four-man bench, that's going to be something that they're going to have to live with. And th- the biggest thing for me w- w- with this whole roster crunch is you look at the, the Yankees' projected four-man bench, Brett Gardner, Austin Romine, Cameron Mabin, and Gio Urshela. You have to keep Romine up, but in general, and, and I don't know about Romine. Of course, you can't you can't play games with one catcher. Those three guys each have no options. Right. That's right. that's the big thing. So if you're short on pitching and on one in one game, and say you use six, say you have to use an opener and the whole bullpen the day after they've all worked. It becomes really, really challenging. You can't have that. You don't have that one guy say Hale or Sessa that you need just a body out there to pitch. It's going to be really challenging. And the fact that the whole Yankees bench has no options left, it it really kind of stinks. But that's just the way it is. Yeah, it's gonna really, you're gonna have a, a shuttle going back and forth where it's Joe Harvey, Chance Adams, um, you know, Stephen Tarpley, kind of those guys are just gonna be coming up for you know, you just almost just rotate them. I'm like, all right, we're gonna this, we're gonna have you come up there for there, or it's, you know, even if you have well, Sessa's out of options too. So if you get rid of Sessa here, then you, you but you're right, it'd be easier if there was a, a bench player that had an option, and then you could you know you send down Estrada for ten days, but then you get. You get Chance Adam in the bullpen for ten days if you have a tough stretch. So then you flip flop him when you if you realize you're not going to need uh, Adams for uh, you know a week or two. So not having that that bench option is a big deal. Like, so that's, that's a good point there. So you're just going to be rotating bullpen arms as much as you can to stay fresh, and hopefully you don't have to use them. 
But at times, you're going to have key situations where you can't throw out of, you know, three, four, five games in a row, and it's going to come up a big spot. So we'll see how it all unfolds um, in the bullpen. Um, but the lineup the lineup's going to be great. So we have Glaber Torres is having an awesome season, is possibly going to be an all-star again, this time for shortstop because he's played most of shortstop until DD's come back. And Glaber Torres is going to be batting ninth soon. Like this Yankee lineup is going to be unbelievably deep. Where you're gonna have, I don't know. I don't even know how, where to even start with. Did you have like DD six? You could have Luke Voigt batting anywhere from two to eight, and then you have Glaber Torres at batting ninth. Which is gonna be pretty crazy um, to see what this lineup can go. And to have Glaber Torres as a, a ninth guy, an all star, is gonna be wild for the Yanks. It really is going to be. And you really could do so many things with this lineup. I mean, Hicks could lead off. LeMahieu could lead off. It, and then two through nine, it's just absurd. I mean, Edwin Encarnacion, a guy who has the most home runs in the entire MLB since 2012, could be hitting sixth or seventh, who currently leads the American League in home runs too. You could have I mean, then the guy behind him then could be Gary Sanchez, who's the guy behind him in the home run lead. Could be the guy batting after him. It, it, it's freaking wild. It really is. I you could go so many different avenues with this lineup, and you that'll obviously put Gardner on the bench. And I think Gardner would be. He's been up and down in the last month, but I think he'll be really good in a limited role. And then, you know, you have Urshela. I think he's going to be even better in a limited role. You have a lot of guys here and with a lot of depth on the bench and with a very deep lineup, Aaron Boone is going to be able to give guys breaks and not wear them out and not wear them out before October. That's going to be really key here. So we're going to have the we're going to see the death lineup a lot. One through nine. But Aaron Boone's going to be able to sit, you know, a guy here and there. And that's a huge luxury he's going to have. And I, I can't wait to see this lineup this weekend against Houston. I think we're going to see, you know, those nine studs. I mean, <laughs> one through nine, it's 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 absurd. Say, say, I'm going to take a stab at what we, get, what we could see versus Houston here. Let's see if they go DJ, Judge, Stanton, because they like to stack – Judge and Stanton. No, sorry, sorry. Yeah, DJ LeMayu, Aaron Judge, Stanton. And then just get a lefty in there. So we have DD batting fourth, Gary fifth, Edwin sixth, and then what? You Hicks seven, Luke Voigt eight, Glaber Torres nine. Like you have Luke Voigt batting eight. <laughs> You're going to have one through nine having, you know, 50, ending the season with 15 or more home runs. Claypool Torres already got 15. He's, he's <laughs> what, what, one through nine though. Oh yeah, easily is likely going to have 15 home runs or more. I mean, you know, 2009, of course, they had six or seven with 20 or more. And yeah, uh, yeah. We we maybe could see that, but my goodness, this is gonna. As I said in my article, this is gonna drive managers up a wall. I mean, this lineup is going to get people fired. <laughs> that that would be the plan here. Then you, with with DD back and you have Hicks being a switch hitter here, it's still a very righty heavy lineup. But you, that's where you play with you move, where you move them is where you put them in the lineup is going to cause the problems for opposing managers because if you just stack all the righties and then you can kind of do some matchups here. But if you stack all the righties and DD comes to the plate with the bases loaded, it's going to be going to be some trouble. 
Um, but like you said, it could be home runs left and right here. So let's get into the home run tracker. It's been a been a but there've been twenty home runs since we last recorded a, a podcast. Based on my records, we had we're at ninety three. We were at one hundred and thirteen home runs for the Yankees at hashtag NYYHR tracker. That puts us at a two hundred and fifty seven home run pace. That would be ten off the record um, that the Yankees set last year. They are still behind the Twins, who are just mashing the shit out of the ball. I think they have one hundred and thirty one home runs right now, so they're still pretty far behind them. Luke Voigt still with the farthest home run, 470 feet. And Gary with the 20 home runs still. You go 20 before the All-Star break from a catcher. Always fun. And we still got a whole kind of, you know, a couple weeks before the All-Star break for him to even get to possibly 25. And then we added Encarnacion, who has 21 home runs. So when Carnacion does hit his first home run since he stayed in the AL, I'm going to update that he'll that will be his 22nd home run, even though it'll only be the first home run that counts for the tracker. Um, Sam, it's been two weeks here. You got any home run that kind of sticks out uh, over the past two weeks for you? Oh, my. It has been two weeks since we last recorded. Home run that sticks out. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking back. Uh, I'll think, I'm going to give, give credit to Cameron Mabin for the three and three home runs here. You know, someone that we really weren't looking for it has, has put put some deep shots. He had over 410 on his first two uh Home runs earlier this week, and then he had a 385 this week, uh, yesterday. Um, while it was just an insurance run today, I, I'm going to give Cameron Maven the shout out for my home runs of the week weeks here, um, just because he probably won't be on this list much more the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm going to give uh, my home run of the week to Luke Voigt. He made that 4 4 match game, 7 4. Oh, you got to go in. Absolutely. Smoked Hammer. it. A Zach Wheeler fastball and <laughs> hit it into the bleachers. So that's going to be my home run of the week. Always love that, you know, hop out of the box and that flip from Lewis Linwood Voigt. <laughs> so when he if he does the home run derby, he's going to do the the Sammy hop every at bat and just walk around the batter's box and get back in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Uh, that would be so awesome. I do want to see him in the derby, too. Oh, I 100% want to see him in the derby. I mean, the. People always say that I forget who wrote it, but there's actually someone that wrote the article that it doesn't really hurt your swing, as everybody says it kind of kills your swing. Um, just that, just to have that that his is his personality in there for his first All Star game. He's currently leading all first baseman in the AL with votes to get him in the home run derby. Um, I, I think is, is a must play for for Luke Kim for himself and and for Major League Baseball. Yeah, I, I hope he does it too. You know that, I, and I hope he hops out of the batter's box and flips it after every single one. I don't think he'll he'll be able to though because the time limit now. Is all, yeah, all yeah. The, the final the final winning home run. He's gonna give me give us a Sammy hop and launch that bat to the moon. Um. So yeah, be sure to check out all the home runs at uh, hashtag nyyhr tracker for your daily home run update. Um. Big games this week. You know, already with a huge start to the week, beating the division rival Tampa Bay Rays to go a game and a half up in the division. Tuesday, Wednesday, Tampa. Wednesday, day game. And then four versus Houston. Houston comes to town here. They swept us in Houston earlier this year. Big, big, big six-game stretch right now for the Yankees. Oh, yeah. You know, two with the Rays and then four with Houston. But I am going to say something about that series. That's a very different team that the uh Astros saw yeah. back in April. There was no Giancarlo Stanton. There was no Didi Gregorius. There was no Aaron Hicks. There was no Edwin Encarnacion. There, so, I don't even think there was. There, there was no 
Um, Gio Urshela. Yeah, G- Gio e- e- even. I mean, just crazy. And it's a very different team. So, you know, Houston, uh, they may have gotten the Yankees in April. But, again, a very different team they're going to be facing. The Yankee bullpen blew a lead in that game. I remember Britain gave up the two-run double. But it's going to be a very, very different outcome this time. Six games left this week. I think we should be hoping to see four wins from the Yankees at least. The Yankees get four wins out of here. Let's say they get one more versus Tampa. Then they go so they go two for three versus Tampa. Then if you split versus Houston, uh, I'm going to take that week. And especially if we get the healthy there. Um, and that means we're going to get some good quality starts out of, out of someone like a Hap or a Sabathia. And that's who's going versus Tampa here. Um, Hap is going Tuesday and then Sabathia with the, the, the Wednesday day game. Um, against Blake Snell, so it's gonna be Sabathia's. That's that's a game I'm looking for. That that day, that day game Wednesday um, versus Snell is kind of let's finish off that series strong before having Houston come and travel. Because then we got an opener on Thursday right now before we get Paxton and Tanaka. Um, so we'll we'll see what kind of happens goes there. We do miss Garrett Cole, which is always nice because he, he's you know if, if the Yankees play Houston and Garrett Cole dominates us. I'm just not going to be able to be on Twitter because everyone's going to be screaming that the Yankees needed to, you know, the cashman fucked up not trading for him. Um, so I'm glad that we're just not facing him. Verlander, same thing, kind of. A Verlander-Hap is going to be a, a classic Twitter screaming match if Verlander does well and Hap struggles. But overall, great. Huge series for, for all teams around here, even for the Rays, to kind of stay in pace. And a big weekend for the for the Red Sox, too. You know, if the Yankees and Rays struggle... This, this jumps the Red Sox kind of right back into things here. They were able to hold on to a one nothing lead today versus the Twins. So it'll be um, it's a big week all around for for the AL when the playoff teams you know with the Yankees Rays playing Houston and then you know Tampa uh, sorry then Boston and the Twins playing. You're looking at pretty much all the playoff teams going against each other. Uh, so this will be a week that people will look back on when uh, kind of October September rolls around. Yeah, absolutely, and the Yankees are, are playing right now. Their two biggest competitors, or two of the three biggest competitors right now in the American League in the Rays and the Astros, the Twins being the other one, who they took two or three from earlier this year. No disrespect to the Red Sox, but, I mean, I mean, right now, um, the, the Yankees have seven on them in the loss column, so. Keep it that way. Keep it that way, please. Yeah, they're always lurking. They're always lurking. Yeah, seven in the loss column, five and a half total um, on there. But and Twins, I mean, the Yankees are Yankees are three back, uh, I believe, of the Twins for the top overall. No, three back of the Twins and four back even of the of Houston, I believe, in the in the win column. So this is a big thing to kind of get the Yankees to you know maybe jump those you know wonderful ESPN power rankings. They've been sitting around four or five. Get them into the the, the top two of power rankings here. Yeah, everybody's been bitching about the Yankees' soft schedule with the injuries. Well, the injuries are starting to, to to come to an end, and the lineup's getting strong, and now the competition's getting harder, too. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it. Steve, as you said earlier, I think the keys to this week are, is going to be good Hap and good Sabathia because CC struggled a little bit. Hap has been a freaking roller coaster this year. The keys to this week are, are Hap and Sabathia. If we get good starts from them, I mean, Hap is going to be going two times. I think the Yankees are going to have a good week. That's the way. That's what we'll, we'll end it there with the good note. Good week from Hap. Good week from Sam. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes. Be sure to check out 
GothamSN.com for some uh, – Sam dropped some stuff about Edwin Arcanacion. I'm going to be working on a, a Clint Frazier piece this week too. Make sure you follow Gotham on Twitter at GothamSN. Follow, of course, myself, AngelSteve89, and Sam at uh, the real Sam Mars. Oh, there's an underscore in there. The real underscore Sam Mars uh, for all things uh, for things uh, Yankees. Um Sam, hell of a week for, for both of us, graduation and, and weddings, and uh, it's time to just start focusing on some Yankees baseball. Dog days of summer are coming, and it's time for the Yankees to, to do it right and to start building this lead and getting ready for the playoffs. Absolutely. Let's do it. As I said, the keys, good good half, good Sabathia, good rest of the things. Thrilled to see this line, what this lineup looks like this weekend. Billion home runs and, and, and six wins. Let's do it. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. I'll talk to you later, Sam. Toodles.